Pearl Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. This morning marks the third Sunday in Advent, and we're in a sermon series titled The Joyful Mysteries, which is exploring a pattern of creativity in the life of Mary that's highlighted in the rosary. So far, we've considered two movements of this pattern of creativity. First, Annunciation. The angel, the muse, the messenger, the divine visits us invites us to make particular and personal things with our lives because we are all, each of us, curating life. My life, your life, our life, it's something that we, like the artist, make. And so we're intentional to slow our lives in order to notice and to consider these divine annunciations so that we might thoughtfully consider and potentially respond, yes. Yes, I will intentionally create a moment. Yes, I will be intentional to create that conversation. Yes, I will be intentional to create that meal, that graph, that meeting, that day, this life. And then last week we explored a second move in this creative pattern, the visitation. Filled with our own things to make, the full lives of others are no longer a mirror that reflects absence in our lives. Rather, it becomes a north star inviting us to return to ourselves. Like if we notice the full lives of others rousing in us frustration or pain or or some kind of jealousy, then it's quite possible that we're in need of slowing down to receive particular and personal enunciations for our own lives, things that are uniquely ours to make. However, if the full lives of others move us to visit people with support and joy and celebration, then that's actually an encouraging sign of fullness within our own lives. With the movements of enunciation and visitation in mind, a a little more settled in our hearts, this morning we're going to consider a third move in this creative pattern, the nativity. Nativity. Nativity is the occasion of a person's birth. In Christian life, nativity is the story of Mary giving birth to Jesus. And within this creative pattern that we're exploring throughout Advent and Christmas, nativity is the process of pregnancy and then labor and then ultimately birth of that which we've said yes to make. I'd like to say that again. Nativity is the pregnancy, labor, and birth of that which we've said yes to make. Now, to try and explain the particularities of pregnancy and labor and birth as creative stages in our lives, I'd like to share a little bit about how I go through the process of writing sermons. Uh, To be very clear, none of you are probably going to write a sermon, (laughs) and that's good. It's hard work. Uh, However, I think you'll notice some similarities between my creative process and yours, whatever it is, because I actually think it's the same creative process. It really is. Nativity, that is to say pregnancy, labor, and birth are central to how a person makes anything. 
And because sermons are things that I've been creating for a while, I'm hopeful that my experience with this nativity process could be helpful to highlighting this same process in your own life. But first, I want to back up just a bit so that you can see how this all works itself out. Preceding Annunciation, the invitation to make something with my life, there are some convictions that I have about my life. Now, what's interesting about these convictions is that they've come from previous, earlier annunciations in my own experience, to which I've said yes. For for example, I've said yes to being a pastor at this church, and I still say yes to that. I've said yes to the life of a theologian, to try and think deeply and academically about theological ideas, and I continue to say yes to that. I've said yes to being Jen's partner from a very young age, and I continue to say yes to that. And I have said yes to being a dad of three kids, and with reticence, I continue to say yes to that. (laughs) Just kidding. Asher, I'm just joking. There are other things, but, but these are the big ones. These are the big ones in my life that I've said yes to. A side note, being able to say yes is so important. Because if you can't say yes or won't say yes, then that in and of itself is a sign that divine enunciations are needed for our lives. It's impossible, impossible to make a life built on no's and I wish it was different. In fact, it's quite possible that a deep sense of no or I wish it was different are their own kind of enunciations inviting us to birth change in our own lives. And so what are we saying yes to today? For me, saying yes to being a pastor means that I'm committed to a life of scheduled creativity because a sermon is coming every single Sunday. And my saying yes to being a theologian insists that my pastoral work is coherent and thoughtful and undergirded by academic scholarship. And so for me, because I've said yes to theological and pastoral work in the world, I have larger than normal antennas for ideas, any kind of idea that might be able to be shaped into a sermon. And I don't think this is my own experience. I think it's everyone's experience. For example, a person who has intentionally said yes to being a parent, or yes to intentionally being a manager, or yes to intentionally being a friend. These things we're trying to be intentional about, we are always on the lookout for how to grow up into the fullest and wisest parent, manager, friend that we can possibly be. We humans tend to have larger than normal antennas that notice and absorb information that we deem as being capable to help us create with our lives that which we've said yes to create. Each summer, our staff gets away to the coast for a few days, and at the coast, we dream about and plan, begin to plan out what we hope to make in the following year. One of the things that we plan out while we're at the coast is 12 months of sermons, Uh, that we break up into smaller sermon series. Of course, coming up with 12 months of sermon series is way too much to do from scratch at a few days out at the coast. And so throughout the year, I am, when I'm living intentionally, wide open to all kinds of ideas about potential sermon series. Oh, and everything, like everything becomes fodder for a potential sermon series, a conversation, an article, a podcast, a book, a TV show, a movie, a painting, a piece of art. I mean, everything. And, and it tends to happen like this. I have a moment, and the moment's a thought. The thought is something like, that would be interesting to consider. Oh, I wonder what it would be like to try and talk about that. 
Or this isn't an idea that we've wrestled with before. Maybe that would be good for us. Or what would be helpful for us to ponder? Maybe this would be helpful for us to ponder. You get the point. I then send myself a text, which I eventually cut and paste into an email, which I email to myself, which I then cut and paste into a document that I gather ideas on for the entire year that I take out to the coast. And I'm sure you're thinking, Mike, there's a way better way to do that. Uh, But for me, it works, and so I've just stuck with it. After taking time to consider all of the ideas that we bring out to the coast, we agree on a handful of sermon series for the year. We then decide who's going to lead each series. And about four weeks before the beginning of a new series, whoever's leading that sermon series writes a sermon series description, which explains the series, its connection to the church calendar, and all of the hopes and dreams that we have for that series in the life of our church. Okay, so with a sermon, with sermon series mapped out for an entire year, this is what the process of nativity looks like in my life as I prepare sermons week to week. Monday. If I preached on Sunday, Monday is a day to recover. I'm tired. I'm usually a little teary. I don't know why, though. The water line's just a little bit higher for me. I feel low energy. I wake up and my aura ring tells me, your readiness score is very low. Take it easy today, (laughs) which I try to do. Monday and Tuesday are my weekend, so this works pretty well. However, come Tuesday still my weekend, the nativity is in full swing because I'm in the thick of a nine-month pregnancy that begins just six days before I need to give birth to another sermon. Sunday, it's just always around the corner, always. Now, when I say pregnancy, I'm differentiating from labor and birth, and I'll talk about those stages in just a bit. Pregnancy, though, is the first stage within the nativity, and it's all about early initial steps that begin to open me, myself, my life, my heart, my body to the sermon that needs to start to form. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for me is pregnancy. I usually journal in the morning, and then with the sermon idea in my head, I invite the muse to begin filling me with ideas. I just say, help. (laughs) Give me things to think about and ponder and consider. I then go for a run. And while I'm on my run, the ideas sometimes come. And I'll say, hey, Siri, send myself a text. And I'll send myself a text. And then five minutes later, hey, Siri, send myself a text. If I do that three or four times, it's been a really good run uh, because I've started to form some thoughts. But even after the run, I try to remain open to the muse. And so I'll be sending in... Please try again. Siri! That was amazing. To do that, you'll need to turn off airplane mode. So that's how it happens. And this is proof that the infinite is female. So I'll be sending an email, or I'll be in the midst of a meeting, or I'll be working out content for a class, or I'll be reading a book, when all of a sudden I have to pause and send myself a text. This can sometimes happen during non-working hours, because pregnancy, as you know, stops for no one. And if I'm with Jen, I'll usually say something like, oh, just a second, or oh, can we, can we pause for a second? I need to send myself a text. And, and Jen's almost always gracious with these interruptions because we've learned that the more ideas I have during pregnancy, the less painful labor is. Yeah. It's very helpful. It's during this sermonic pregnancy on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays that every moment seems to be teeming with life. 
or at least the possibility of life. Thoughts that could become part of a sermon. Text, text, text. The more, the better. I'd rather cut fat than inflate balloons because Friday is the day when scheduled labor begins. Labor. Out to my study, I map out an outline and try to fill in each movement. This, for me, is the most tedious work, to think myself clear. And after the whole thing begins to take shape, like when I can see it in my head from beginning to end, I will pause. I go for a run. I have lunch, maybe a meeting or two, emails, phone calls, to bed. Saturday. Oh, the contractions are strong on Saturday. I take the outline and I begin to write. And as I write, I hold many of you in my mind's eye. Doing so, I ask the infinite, how can I best say this? How can I best build this out? Type, 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 highlight, delete, cut, paste, over and over again. The writing is long and I won't go for a, on a, for a run until the whole thing is out in some kind of draft form. Run, shower, shave. I always shower and shave on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Always. Those close to me call it being particular, <laughs> which I think is a nice way to put it. Shower, shave, back to my study. I rewrite the whole thing, eventually to bed on Saturday night where I toss and turn, mull over moves, words, illustrations, considering what could be more helpful until I rise on Sunday. I make my coffee. I get here early to church. I open my sermon, take my first sip of coffee, close my eyes and pray something like, dear God, help. <laughs> pregnancy Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays labor Fridays, Saturdays and birth on Sundays which you all get to watch I mean depending on the sermon some of you think it's heroic depending on the sermon some of you think it's boring depending on the sermon some of you think it's helpful beautiful, long, short onerous <laughs> you name it I birthed it, but the sermon is a public birth. And because you came to the hospital, it's only fair for you to be able to comment on its name and weight and length and bizarrely shaped head. <laughs> like, whatever, right? It's a birth that we share in together, which I think is why I care about it so much. Like, I care about the sermon because I care about this community. I care about the life that we get to share together. And if I can help to spark an iota of goodness in your life through an idea that captures you or encourages you or pokes you or frees you or heals you or moves you, then I feel such gratitude. Now, next week, we'll talk about surrendering our creative works to God. And the following week, we'll talk about freeing our creative works to individuate and to become themselves in the world apart from us. And so ultimately, your response to the birth that is the sermon isn't actually mine to hold. That's been something I've had to work hard to learn over the years. I am, as one who has said yes to making sermons, responsible for nurturing the healthiest pregnancy possible. I am, as one who has said yes to making sermons, responsible for strategizing the wisest labor feasible. I am, as the one who has said yes to making sermons, responsible for mustering all of myself to give birth before your very eyes. That's what I'm responsible for. Can we pull up the painting? This painting is titled The Nativity. It was created by the esteemed American painter Gary Melchers in 1891. I love this painting. It seems to bear the honest weight of nativity. 
It certainly isn't the usual Thomas Kincaid picture of nativity, right? I mean, look at Mary, exhausted. She has given everything. Who knew that to create life, a person can almost die? And then check out Joseph. Joseph kind of looks surprised by how much work that little thing required, right? <laughs> he almost looks bothered, doesn't he? Ah, oh, but Mary, can you feel her in this moment? At the end of nativity, pregnancy, labor, birth? This being human, this creating things is exhausting. To create life, any kind of life is exhausting. Creating a sermon, exhausting. Choosing to create focus at work, exhausting. Choosing to create peace during the holidays when family and friends are around, exhausting. Choosing to create intimacy with a partner, like real intimacy where you work it through, exhausting. Anytime we say yes to make something with our lives, that thing, whatever it is, bears a weight and takes a toll. It's the weight and toll of caring deeply about what we've said yes to creating with our lives. And our lives are so important, so brief, so fast. Why would we not want to be intentional as much as possible? I do think, however, that some other words could be used to describe Mary in this painting, such as satisfied. Like she did what she had to do. Or perhaps a word that could fit here is relieved. She was capable. Exhausted, satisfied, relieved. It's like a really good, tired, this being human and creating things intentionally. It bears the weight of fullness. It's not easy, but it's good. Now, to be clear, I'm not intending to say that everything we make must take as much time as a sermon. There aren't enough hours to give everything this kind of attention, which is why it's so important for us to know what it is that we're saying yes to making with our lives. But once we know, like once we have a thing or a few things or a handful of things that we know that we know that we know we are supposed to create with our lives, Well, it's then that we choose. That's important. We get to choose to enter the nativity of pregnancy, labor, and birth again and again, intentionally creating life. One sermon, one conversation, one graph, one relationship, one meeting, one day at a time. Over the years, I've come to notice some particularity to the stages of pregnancy, labor, and birth throughout nativity. Like pregnancy, the years or months or days or hours or minutes spent on trying to intentionally shape some kind of life. Well, it takes intention to prepare our wombs, our lives for this important work, whatever it is. And what I found is that the stage of pregnancy invites us to slow down. We have to slow down if we're going to be intentional. This stage of pregnancy invites us to know what we're saying yes to making. It's really important. The stage of pregnancy invites us to discern the importance of what we're making in the midst of all of the other things that we're making so that we can figure out what we're wanting to attend to. The stage of pregnancy invites us to leverage our hearts and minds and dreams to thoughtfully give shape to the thing that we wish to make in the moment. In the stage of labor, well, labor rarely goes according to plan, right? I mean, think about if you've had babies, birth plans. 
those rarely, that's why you have like four of them. <laughs> they rarely go according to plan. Sometimes easier, sometimes more difficult, sometimes quicker, sometimes slower, almost always surprising. It's during these intense moments of labor that the thing we're making, no matter how it goes, is what's most important. For having said yes to make something, we keep thinking, we keep reading, we keep studying, we keep writing, we keep painting, we keep preparing with all of our heart because we're intentional to give something birth with our lives today. In the stage of birth, well, it's vulnerable. To hope, I think, is vulnerable today. To try is vulnerable. To care is vulnerable. To attempt to make something new in a job or in a relationship or in a life is vulnerable. It's also beautiful. To hope is beautiful. To try is beautiful. To care is beautiful. To attempt to make something new in a job or relationship or life is beautiful. And it's hard work. To hope is hard work. To try is hard work. To care is hard work. To attempt to make something new in a job or relationship or life is hard work. And yet, as any person who has created anything knows, the vulnerable, beautiful, and hard work is simultaneously good. It's very, very good to make things with our time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing about Israel in the wilderness, and he says that that water, the water that came out of the rock, Paul says that water had a name. He says the name of the water that came out of the rock in the wilderness, its name was Christ. Of course, Israel couldn't have known this. That would have been impossible. In this passage, Paul is doing the work of a theologian. He's using Christian language to name human experiences. And according to Paul, the goodness of water in a wilderness is... It is the experience of Christ in the world. That's what Paul's trying to say. I believe with my whole heart that the good you decide to create with your life, whether that be a meal or a conversation or a graph or a meeting or a day, is. It is the manifestation of Christ at the tables that you set. It is the manifestation of Christ in the relationships that you choose to nurture and pour into. It is the manifestation of Christ in the jobs you work. It is the manifestation of Christ in the life that you make. Will you look with me one more time at Melcher's painting? My Advent hope is that we would follow after Mary in all vulnerability, beauty, and hard work, rapturously exhausted, worn out, filled by choosing to birth Christ in the realms of our particular lives today. Will you pray with me? Divine love moved by lives to make. I ask that you would fill us with wonder and willingness and gumption to labor and bring forth life itself. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? 
You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.